Hark the sound of myriad voices rising in their might. Tis the daughters of Hello and welcome to the History of Women's Suffrage. In celebration of the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, it would be both interesting and inspiring to look at the work done by the suffragists in America leading up to its ratification. Luckily, we have the record laid out for us state by state of the struggles and triumphs of these women and their allies. The History of Women's Suffrage was a book written by Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, Ida Husted Harper, with the help of many others. They have gifted us with a detailed description of how each state dealt with the struggle for suffrage, and today we'll look at the first state in the book, Alabama. Chapter 1 Alabama. In 1902, Miss Frances Griffin of Urbina sent to the National Suffrage Convention the following report as president of the State Suffrage Association. Quote, Two clubs in Alabama, in Huntsville and Decatur, are auxiliary to the National American Women's Suffrage Association. The state president did some aggressive work within the year, speaking in many different towns before women's clubs and at parlor meetings. She devoted much time to work of this character in Montgomery, hoping to bring to bear sufficient influence upon members of the Constitutional Convention to secure some concessions for women citizens. The results were bitterly disappointing, for it not only refused to grant suffrage to taxpaying women, but it gave to the husbands of taxpayers the right to vote upon their wife's property. Women in the larger towns are taking an interest in municipal and educational affairs, some have been placed on advisory boards in state institutions, such as the Girls' Industrial School and Boys' Reform School and others. All this means a gradual advance for the suffrage sentiment, a general modifying of the anti-sentiment. There were also short reports for 1903 and 1904, which, while showing no practical, tangible results of the efforts of that earnest pioneer worker, are interesting as evidences of the backward, unprogressive spirit against which the women of Alabama have had to contend. These reports mark the end of the first period of suffrage activity in the state, which had been maintained by a few devoted women. The new era was ushered in by the organization in Selma in 1910 of an equal suffrage association, which was the beginning of an aggressive, tireless fight. Miss Mary Partridge, after seeing the defeat of a constitutional amendment for prohibition in Alabama, despite the earnest but ineffectual efforts of the women who besieged the polls begging the men to vote for it, decided that the time was ripe for women's suffrage organization, and wrote for advice to Dr. Anna Howard Shaw, president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association, who answered in part, quote, I cannot express to you how happy I am that you are willing to begin the work in your state where very little has been done for suffrage because of the great conservatism among the women of the South. I am very glad if they are now beginning to realize their absolutely helpless and unprotected position. We have the temperance agitation to thank for arousing a great many women all over the country." End quote. Shortly after the receipt of this letter, Miss Partridge sent out a, quote, call in the Selma Papers, and on March 29, 1910, Miss Frederick Watson, Miss F. T. Rayford, Miss F. G. DuBose, Miss F. M. Hatch, and Miss Partridge met at the Carnegie Library and organized the association. 
This action was reported to Dr. Shaw, and she extended the greetings of the National Association with, quote, thanks and appreciation. The Birmingham Equal Suffrage Association was the outgrowth of a small group of women who had been holding study meetings at the home of Miss W.L. Murdoch. The enthusiasm and earnest conviction resulting from them found expression in a, quote, call for a woman's suffrage organization, and on October 22, 1911, the association was formed at a meeting held in the Chamber of Commerce, where the following officers were elected. President, Mrs. Patty Ruffner Jacobs. The first vice president, Miss Ethel Arms. Second, Miss W.L. Murdoch. Third, Miss W.N. Wood. Corresponding secretary, Miss Helen J. Benners. Recording secretary, Miss J.E. Frazier. And the treasurer, Miss A.J. Bowram. Special mention is made of these two societies because they constituted the nucleus on which the state organization was formed. An urgent call was sent out by the officers of the Birmingham Society to, quote, all men and women who wish to further the cause of women's suffrage to unite in a state organization at a meeting in Birmingham, October 9th, 1912. Selma sent six delegates who met with the Birmingham suffragists at the parish house of the Church of the Advent, where the Alabama Equal Suffrage Association was organized and a constitution and bylaws adopted. Mrs. Jacob was elected president, Miss Partridge first vice president, Miss Rayford second, Miss Murdoch corresponding secretary, Miss Julian Park recording secretary, Miss C.M. Spencer treasurer, Miss Partridge state organizer. The following delegates were appointed to attend the national convention in Philadelphia in November Miss Jacobs, Miss Amelia Worthington, Miss O.R. Hundley, Miss DuBose, Miss Partridge, Miss Chapel Corey. The new state organization affiliated at once with the National Association. The first annual convention was held in Selma, January 29, 1913, with 25 representatives from Selma, Birmingham, Huntsville, and Montgomery. Mrs. Jacobs was a re-elected president, and a splendid program of constructive work was outlined for the ensuing year. The association was represented at the meeting of the International Suffrage Alliance held in Budapest in June of this year by Ms. T.G. Bush of Birmingham. The second state convention, held in Huntsville in February 5, 1914, was made notable by the inspiring presence of three of Alabama's pioneer suffragists, Mrs. Annie Buell Drake Robertson, Mrs. Humes, and Mrs. Virginia Clay Clopton. The following local societies were represented by their presidents, named in the order in which they were organized. Selma, Mrs. Park, Birmingham, Mrs. Hundley, Montgomery, Mrs. Sally B. Powell, Huntsville, Coleman, Mrs. Ignatius Pollock, Greensboro, Miss S. Ann Hobson, Tuscaloosa, Mrs. Losey, Vinemont, Miss Mary Munson, Pell City, Miss Pearl Still, Cole City, Mrs. J. W. Moore, Mobile, Miss Eugenie Marks. Mrs. Jacobs was re-elected despite her wish to retire from office, and her report of the past year told of a great amount of work done by all the members of the board. In January 1915, a resolution to submit a woman's suffrage amendment to the state constitution to the voters was for the first time introduced in the legislature. It was referred to the Committee on Privileges and Elections in the House, and the legislature afterward adjourned until July. In the meantime, the women worked to secure pledges from the members of the committee to report the bill favorably, and 14 of the 16 gave their promise to do so. Instead of this, it was, quote, postponed indefinitely. The women did not rest until they persuaded the House to compel a report, 
and then a hearing was granted to them. Among those who worked in the legislature were the legislative chairman, Mrs. O. R. Hundley, Mrs. Jacobs, the state president, Mrs. Chapel Corey, president of the United Daughters of the Confederacy, Miss Molly Dowd, representing the wage earners, and Miss Lavinia Engel of Maryland, field organizer for the National Association. The bill came to a vote late in the session when Representative Joe Green, who had asked for the privilege of introducing it, spoke and voted against it. The vote stood 52 ayes, 43 noes, a three-fifths majority being necessary to submit an amendment. As the legislature meets only once in four years, this was the only action ever taken on a state amendment. At the state convention held in Tuscaloosa in February of this year, reports were made from 19 auxiliary branches and the organization of 23 non-auxiliary branches was reported. The address of Dr. Shaw, the national president, gave a great impetus to suffrage work in the state. Mrs. Jacobs and the other officers were re-elected, except that Mrs. Frederick Caning was made auditor. On February 9, 1916, the state convention was held in Gadsden, and the evidences of the growth of the suffrage movement were most heartening. 26 local associations sending reports. Mrs. Park was chosen for president, Mrs. Jacobs having been elected auditor of the National Association. The state convention was held in Birmingham, February 12th through the 13th, 1917, and the officers re-elected except that Miss Worthington was made recording secretary. It was followed by a, quote, suffrage school conducted by representatives of the National Association, who generously gave the valuable help that a course of study under such able instructors afforded. Over 200 pupils attended. It was reported that there were now 81 suffrage clubs in the state, which were being merged into political organizations with the county as a unit, and there were chairmen in 55 of the 67 counties. There were also chairmen in nine of the 10 congressional districts. A paid organizer had been at work. State headquarters were maintained in the principal street in Selma and, and a bi-weekly press bulletin issued, which was used by 34 newspapers, while eight published weekly suffrage columns. The Birmingham News got out a suffrage edition. Four traveling suffrage libraries were kept in circulation. Automobile parades had been given, a mass meeting held in Birmingham, and street meetings in every part of the state. The state convention was held in Selma May 7th through 8th, 1918. The reports made by local and state officers showed that the suffragists had lent themselves and all their machinery of organization to every form of war work. Mrs. Jacobs had been appointed by Mr. McAdoo, Secretary of the Treasury, State Chairman of the Women's Liberty Loan Committee. Suffrage work was in no wise suspended, but the more active forms of propaganda were held in abeyance. The federal amendment was endorsed in no uncertain terms, and the following resolution was adopted. Quote, Whereas the Senate will soon vote on the federal suffrage amendment, therefore, be it resolved by the suffragists of Alabama assembled in their sixth annual convention that the U.S. Senators John H. Bankhead and Oscar W. Underwood be, and they hereby are, earnestly petitioned to forward the march of democracy, to carry out the policy of the Democratic administration, and to represent truly the wishes of the women of their own state by supporting this amendment and voting for it when it comes up in the Senate. It was reported that the State Association had energetically cooperated with the National in all its suggestions and plans, and notwithstanding the efforts made to raise money for the purposes of the war, it had collected over $10,000 for state suffrage work, and more than paid its pledge of $1,000 to the National Treasury. Thousands of copies of the U.S. Senator Shafroth's speech 
the gift of the Leslie Suffrage Commission had been mailed to the rural voters. The clergy had been requested to speak on women's suffrage in their sermons on Mother's Day, and many responded. Miss Lola Trax, the state organizer, reported a chairman in all but two counties. Each of the state's representatives in Congress had been interviewed. Dr. Anna Howard Shaw, the national president, had lectured in seven places, and Miss Walter McNabb Miller, national vice president, in five. The petitions for the federal amendment were being circulated. The Alabama delegates to the National Convention in March 1919 learned while there that the federal amendment was likely to be passed by Congress in time for action to be taken on its ratification by the legislature of the state, which had been called to meet July 8th. They went before the national board and secured the promise of definite help, which was to consist of literature, press work, and organizers, and certain obligations were undertaken on the part of the state. The National Association did even more than it promised, and the state suffragists made heroic efforts to live up to their part of the contract. On May 1st, the campaign was underway, although the amendment had not yet been submitted. A ratification committee was appointed by the president, consisting of Mrs. John D. McNeil of Birmingham, chairman, Ms. W. D. Nesbitt of Birmingham, vice chairman, Mrs. Bibb Graves of Montgomery, resident member, and Mrs. Jacobs, ex officio member. County chairmen were appointed in 53 counties and a men's committee of 100 was organized. Headquarters were equipped with some paid and much faithful volunteer help, and the distribution of literature and press work was started. Early in the month, Mrs. Albert McMahon, Ms. Edna Beveridge, and Ms. Josephine Miller, organizers, were sent by the National Association, to which group Ms. Mary Park London of Birmingham was added and contributed her services throughout the entire campaign as an organizer and lobbyist. Press work was systematically carried on, some of the materials sent from national headquarters, but most of it originating from Birmingham. Speakers covered all important public meetings to which access could be had. Governor Thomas E. Kilby and other prominent men were interviewed, and a poll was taken of the legislators before they convened. At the joint hearing, which was arranged almost immediately after the legislature met, John C. Anderson, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, W.D. Nesbitt, State Chairman of the Democratic Executive Committee, ex-Senator Frank S. White, Judge S.D. Weekly, legal advisor to the governor, and others spoke for ratification. The federal amendment was submitted by Congress June 4th, and the legislature met July 8th. For days before the vote was taken, it occupied almost exclusive attention at the Capitol, many of the newspapers saying that the opposition were placing the state and the Democratic Party in a grave position. The Republican Party was claiming credit for the submission, and Democratic leaders felt it to be very necessary that Al the Alabama legislature should ratify. On July 12th, President Wilson telegraphed to Governor Kilby as follows, quote, I hope you will pardon me if I express my very earnest hope that the suffrage amendment to the Constitution of the United States may be ratified by the great state of Alabama. It would constitute a very happy augury for the future, and add greatly to the strength of a movement which, in my judgment, is based upon the highest consideration both of justice and expedience. On the same date, Secretary of the Navy Josephus Daniels sent a long message to Mrs. McNeil, Chairman of the Ratification Committee, and a multigraphed copy to each member of the Senate, setting forth the merits of the amendment and saying, quote, The South has nothing to fear from the amendment, 
but it would be a loss to southern chivalry and southern privilege if our section of the country halted this great reform. I earnestly hope that the people of Alabama will take the lead of southern states east of the Mississippi and follow the wise leadership of Texas and Missouri and other progressive commonwealths. There is no doubt of its ratification. Let Alabama lead and not follow." End quote. Homer S. Cummings, chairman of the Democratic National Committee and other prominent Democrats, added their earnest appeals to the Senate for favorable action. The ratifying resolution was introduced to the Senate by John A. Rogers and in the House by W.H. Shaw. The date set for the vote on the Senate was July 17th, and a hearing before a joint meeting of Senate and House was granted on the 16th. Women journeyed to Montgomery from nearly every county to plead for the amendment, but its defeat had already been planned. The vote was 13 ayes and 19 noes. The House did not act on the measure until September 17th, and during the interim, every possible pressure was made on its members to obtain a favorable vote. President Wilson sent an urgent telegram to Speaker H.P. Merritt. Chairman Nesbitt convened the State Democratic Committee on August 21st to consider the amendment. It adopted a resolution by a vote of 20 to 13, which endorsed the favorable action of the National Committee the preceding May and said, quote, we pledge our support in every proper way to accomplish the result desired. Mrs. George Bass, chairman of the Women's National Democratic Committee, went to Montgomery for this meeting and remained several days working for the amendment. The Central Labor Union of that city at a mass meeting passed a resolution asking the legislature to, quote, take steps immediately to ratify the amendment. A majority of the House were pledged to vote in favor of ratification, but after it had been defeated in the Senate, they considered it useless to keep their promise, and the vote was 31 ayes, 60 noes. The governor and lieutenant governor, Nathan L. Miller, maintained a neutral position. The mainspring of the opposition from beginning to end was U.S. Senator Oscar W. Underwood. Senator John H. Bankhead was equally opposed. Both senators had voted against the submission of the federal amendment and of the ten members in the lower house, only one, William B. Oliver of Tuscaloosa, had voted in its favor. Footnote. Among the men in the Senate who were especially active and helpful were Colonel Bip Graves and John H. Wallace of Montgomery, L. B. Musgrove of Jasper, Judge W. R. Chapman of Dothan, H. H. Patterson of Atmore, John W. Abercrombie of Anniston, John D. McNeil, Phil Painter, Ex-Governor B. B. Comer, James Weatherly, Fred M. Jackson, and John R. Hornaday of Birmingham. Among those especially active in opposition were Congressman John H. Bankhead Jr. of Jasper, C. Brooks Smith, Judge John R. Tyson, and Ray Rushton of Montgomery, R. A. Mitchell of Gadsden, Wiley Tunstall, and Lynn F. Greer of Anniston, Judge Joe Evans, Martin Calhoun, and Joe Green of Selma, W. W. Brandon of Tuscaloosa, John D. Lee of Bruton, Emmett O'Neill, and E. D. Smith of Birmingham. Because of the campaign, no convention took place in 1919. On April 8th through 9th, 1920, the last one of the State Equal Suffrage Association, as such, was held in Montgomery. A large Quote, Pioneer Luncheon was given in the Exchange Hotel, and a beautiful set of silver baskets was presented to Mrs. Jacobs. 
The sessions were held in the Senate chamber of the historic capital, and by unanimous consent, the association was merged into the State League of Women Voters. Ms. A.J. Bowron was elected chairman. After the amendment was finally passed by the necessary 36 states, there was a victory parade in Birmingham in which 1,500 took part. A brass band headed 36 automobiles, each a mass of banners and flags and flowers, labeled in the order in which the states ratified. Mrs. Jacobs and the Pioneers led the marchers, followed by professional and businesswomen, the League of Women Voters, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, and other organizations. It ended with addresses and singing in Capitol Park. And that's the history of the Alabama suffrage movement written by the people involved. Next time, Arizona. Tis the daughters of Columbia pleading for the rock.